0: Hello, you are with Love of Learning, a podcast focused on transforming the world through education and self-education. My name is Deanna Stanchev and I'm your host. Our guest today is Anna Pierce, a homeschooling mom and a business owner, a person who has an alternative nursery in which my son was going to. She's a good friend of my wife, Oksana, and her nursery was the only nursery in the UK where my son came back from with a smile instead with an exhausted and happy face. She's Mm. passionate about birding a new world and connecting spirituality and business. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you, Anna.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for inviting me here.
0: (laughs) so, So tell me, Anna, what was so special about your nursery that my son always was excited to go there and happy when he came back from?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is that we weren't teaching the kids like most schools have teachers and we had guides so I was very very clear from the get-go that we weren't there to teach the children and to tell them what we know this was about kind of giving the power to the kids and helping them to discover the world and to like kids are naturally curious so let's take that and let's make it fun and exciting and let's empower our children and help them to find their voice so we're very outdoor based um i think asin was coming to our uh we have healing days and learning days so the healing days are the outdoor days it's much more free flow um and i think he was coming to the 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 healing day so he was outdoors um I can't remember if he came to the learning days as well I think he started I'm not entirely sure but even with the learning days there is a little bit more structure a little bit more focus but it's still done in a very um authentic organic way of learning so I think rather than what a lot of mainstream schools do which is very much kind of sit the kids down and get them to listen we kind of flipped that on its head and actually this was about them learning through experiencing and through being inquisitive um, and having space to learn, you know, and being outdoors. So yeah, the kids loved it. Like there were so many kids that came, you know, particularly troubles that we seem to attract a lot of kids that really struggled with mainstream education. Couldn't last a few days in mainstream, but it would come to us and instantly kind of feel like they were home. So yeah, I don't know. We just seem to have a good formula, I guess. <laughs>
0: Uh, it, it looks like uh, we need more nurseries like yours. Because, yeah, I um, think so. <laughs> before that, he was going to, I think, really, really good nursery. I forgot the name what it was. I think Connor House. Yeah, Connor House. Um, and it was, it's just incredible buildings. Mm. It looks like a Harry Potter movie. But then mm. every time he was coming back, he was just so, so tired, sad. And I think your approach is. It's really, really good one. You encourage yeah. the children to do what they want to do and they feel empowered and they'll feel uh, like they are strong and they feel equal with, the, with everybody because their voice mm-hmm. can be heard. And I think it's very important.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. exactly. And it's something that's missing in when I was growing up. It was missing in all parts of mm-hmm. my education.
1: Yeah, the classes are very large in mainstream education, so they kind of have to try and streamline um, streamline the days so that the kids do as they they should be doing um, whereas because we had my, I mean the classes were very often you know I mean I think the biggest class we had was about 10 kids so it was you know small groups so they had plenty of space to kind of um, find themselves really. Um, and it meant that we could move with the group rather than kind of trying to get the group to follow the teachers. So it's just it was just a completely different way of doing things.
0: And it, I remember it was something else interesting there that uh, in 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 the group where he was going to there was a kid five years old uh, there was yeah. seven eight years old and there yeah. were two, two girls I think 14, 15 years old that were helping.
1: Um, I don't think quite no. We had the eldest was because we were kind of primary school age, so I think we went up to eleven. Um, but yeah, it's and I'm I think it's so important that kids mix with different ages because we actually um, my two kids went to a Steiner school, uh, a Steiner kindy originally and I love the fact that the teacher said to me that when they come in at three, they're the youngest and the older ones kind of look after them. And then they get older, then they're the middle age, and then they get to be the eldest and they get to look after the cast of little ones. And it's a really lovely progression through being the youngest to the eldest that siblings, for example, don't experience. My my daughter will always be the eldest sibling. My son will always be the youngest. So there's not, it just adds kind of depth and variety to their, to their kind of, Um, experience of childhood so I've always felt it's and I think this is one of the main reasons we struggle with bullying in mainstream schools because there's kind of no hierarchy there's no like they're all on a level and and it just it's very unnatural to not be in you know mixed ages so we would have um, certainly the healing days were all mixed ages the learning days that what we would do is because obviously if you've got an 11 year old and like a five year old And certainly the learning days where there's a bit more structure, we would have certain activities where it would be more the kind of, um, we would group the same kind of learning um, level. So we would have people come and do reading writing with them. So we would kind of the beginners, you know, we would kind of group them together. So they would have time on their own, but overall they'd, they would be mixed together. And I honestly think that that was one of the most powerful things because it felt like they were in a community, that they were, you know, in a, in a tribe of kids rather than just one age group all learning mm-hmm. the same thing.
0: And it's interesting to see how the, the little children like older ones and the older yeah. ones like <laughs> little ones.
1: They do. They really do. Yeah, we had the the eldest the eldest girl we had who was eleven. She was the youngest in quite a large blended family, and she loved it. She was the eldest for once, and she'd be looking after the little one. She was a very sweet, very kind girl as well. So it came really naturally to her. And even there was um we had again a, an eleven year old boy that was that had had really really difficult um experiences with mainstream education. And he kind of was was considered this like troublemaker, and he came in as one of the eldest with all these little kids, and he was just a different child, and you, it really brought out the soft side of him and the very nurturing side of him. So, yeah, I think it. I think it. You know, li- going to school, feeling like you're in a community, is a really, really powerful thing.
0: Uh, why do you think we need alternative education, and what is exactly alternative education for you? <laughs>
1: Why do we need alternative? Um, I personally feel that um, that mainstream education, um, I think it does work for some people. It definitely, definitely does. And I think it's a very, you know, we're very lucky to have free education in our country for it to be, reg- I think regulation is a good thing. It protects the kids, the families, the teachers. Um, You know, I think that's all a good thing, but I think that one size doesn't fit all. And I think the more alternatives we can have, the better. And when my kids were getting towards school age, I started looking at alternatives because I just knew that mainstream wasn't going to be for us, Um, mainly because my husband really struggled at school. I didn't feel particularly good at school. So we looked for alternatives and just couldn't find anything. You know, we found Steiner and we tried Steiner and it was wonderful. But again, it just wasn't for us. So I we just yeah. So alternative schooling for me is, I guess, anything that's not mainstream. I would consider even Steiner to be quite mainstream. Um, So we started looking and couldn't find anything. So that's why I started my school. But what I found from doing my school is I've I've now discovered loads of other people who have the same ideas and who are trying to get the schools up and running. So what I'm hoping at some point is we can kind of group together and help one another to, to bring up all these new schools. And I think the more we can have, the more variety, because I don't think it should just be mainstream and one kind of alternative. I think we need to have as many different ways of doing things as possible. So you're seeing like forest schools like come now, you're kind of seeing some of the alternative schools. So my kids are now going to a farm school. Um, only because we've closed during lockdown and we're we're reflecting on everything so we will be opening again um, but they're now going two days a week to a farm school and we home ed the rest of the time um, and again flexi schooling is a really nice way of doing things where the kids sometimes go to school for a couple of days and then homeschool for the rest of the time so I think as much variety as possible <laughs> personally I don't mind how it looks but um yeah as many different choices so that people can find what works for them
0: so what are they doing in the farm school and in the forest school
1: oh so well for the farm school it is um it's actually it's actually quite similar to my school because i i'd never come across this concept of having you know days because we have the three healing days the two learning days and the kind of the healing days were more the kind of inner work you know the the kind of um that was more around the kids discovering themselves and being in the community and being at nature learning about food and it was more the life skills I guess and then the uh, learning days was the more structured like I said the more academic but again in an empowered way so I thought that was quite unusual and then when I decided that actually I wanted to see if there was somewhere uh, that would suit us um, I came across a, a school not too far from us uh, called Trefoil uh, it's actually Montessori school um, but they do yeah so they have the farm they're a farm school but they have like, I think there's three academic days and two farm days so again it's a similar kind of thing that the two days is more the kind of um, the more kind of life lessons and the more kind of holistic. Um, learning and then they have the kind of three more learning days they're, they're much more kind of more academic than my school was but they only my, my two only go two days a week and it kind of works for us at the moment um, the forest school from what I can understand I haven't had direct experience but it's the same kind of thing it's outdoor learning it's learning through experiential learning rather than intellectual learning uh, which I think is so so important uh, but I don't I don't have direct experience so I'm not entirely sure
0: That's interesting (laughs) and I wish I wish I've uh, been going to that school as a kid
1: I know that's I'm the same I don't know if they were there and we just didn't know about them but pretty much all the parents say this like yeah yeah, that it would be nice to have this when we were younger
0: so so what you you were are you doing in the healing uh, the healing days
1: the healing days Oh, so the healing days were, so we had, um, for my school, we had, like I said, there were guides rather than teachers. So we had like a he- like a healing, sorry, core healing guides and then a core learning guide. So we had a lady called Emma um, Goodwin, who is, um, an incredible lady actually she's her and her husband bought a small holding in forest row called the crossing and they got this incredible community project up and running and they, they she's very into Uh, small scale farming they set up um like kind of like an allotment space where they were growing fruit and veg for the local community set up a veg box scheme she's just she's just an incredible woman I can't say enough good things about her but she's very um ahead of her time in terms of um you know nature and healing the soil and the earth and stuff she's just very switched on and I came across her and I originally asked her I wanted to I wanted the kids to have like um a session where they're learning about growing their own food and I met Emma and she just blew me away and before we knew it she was coming and she was our core uh, healing guide so what she was teaching the kids was about food as medicine she was teaching them how to grow food biodynamically they were looking it was a bit like a farm school they were looking after the pigs and there was like the dogs and the, like the kind of farm dogs and farm cats that the kids would be playing with in fact it's got a lovely photo of your son with one of the cats um <laughs> just beaming and again like the, the kids being around animals is just so incredible so they would basically be a little herd of or a little kind of tribe of children with Emma and they would be growing you know they'd be planting the crops they'd be helping to cook you know they'd be doing all kinds of and she's really into um like the soft crafts, like they'd be doing felting and things like this. So it was just such a traditional, beautiful space. And the school was actually held at um, Emma Smallholding, so they were we were, they were there with Emma, genuinely growing the food that was being you know um, sold to the local community as the veg box scheme. So they were, it, you know, it's they say, it takes a village to raise a child, and the, the kids were basically part of that village. So yeah, it's it's just I mean Emma does. Um, she does a homeschooling session but this was like this is just completely different this was like fully a little gaggle of kids running rounds, <laughs> you know learning about all this stuff
0: okay so the, the subject was more like they were learning how to grow their own food right
1: yeah and yeah because one of the things i think that um that as a society we're really losing connection with is 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 our food because I think although kids know that we grow food like grow carrots from the grounds what they experience is we go into shop and we buy them from you know usually from a plastic bag in a shop and knowing and experiencing are really really different so with the kids actually being able to to sow the seeds grow the food pick the food cut the food up eat the food understands why the food is good um it's just a hugely hugely um healthy way of being but also it's very healing like being connected with our food is coming from understanding why growing food biodynamically is important understanding about you know um healing the, the earth these are all things that we're becoming really aware that we need to know and we're all very kind of Um, environmentally conscious now we we kind of it's it's certainly in the UK it's a big thing that you know we want to be cutting down on single-use plastic and there's all these different things that we're introducing but this is not a light you know a lot of the schools I feel it's very light the the teachings they have around you know um looking after our environment, this is a whole different level. This is them being in it, understanding it from people who are living and breathing it. Like Emma has done so much. She used to travel around Europe. When her kids were little, they were what's called woofers they would go and stay on, uh, on organic farms and they would help to you know to work the the fields in return for free accommodation and she's you know she's lived and works this this um this concept for decades so if anyone's going to teach these kids about how to live lightly and how to live environmentally friendly it's you know Emma's the person so and it's not just Emma all the all the guides are incredible and they're all you know they're they're living and breathing what they're teaching the kids rather than learning it. And then, you know, teaching them, this so is what, their passion.
0: What are the other guys teaching?
1: The other, so what? we had, oh, so what? Emma was the core healing guide, and she did have some help. She had some other uh, guides that would help her um, on the learning days. We, so we had a forest school teacher who had a chap called Steve, who was um, really like hit, although he's a forest school teacher, he, Again, he lives and breathes. He's on this incredible uh, spiritual journey and he's really passionate about um our nature so he's very he knows so much about our nature he knows so much about our history so he kind of would teach the kids about history and um and geography i guess would be the most mainstream um but they would go out and they'd be lighting fires with him and doing all sorts and like yeah so that was just incredible um and then we had we had another lady called annalisa who was um she did a few things, but the main things that she she kind of did was the very holistic stuff. So she would do like art therapy. Um, she did some yoga and meditation with the kids um, and things like that. So it was much more about kind of mindfulness. And again, she has all these different qualifications. She was very um, passionate about um, you know being teaching children in a very empowered way. Um, and then we had we had cats and Nico, um, who are technically they're like actors they're charles entertainers they do a lot of stuff um she's actually on tv she's on a bbc uh, or cbb's program um and sh- they just come and the kids and it's it's basically laughter therapy the tea like cat would normally come in um sometimes nico Um, But they were coming in the kids and there was a whole day, all the whole of Friday was fun Friday. And they would just have fun with the kids and they would read and they would do plays and they would dress up. They'd go for long walks in the forest. But the day was about fun and it was about lightness and it was about all the things that school should be about. You know, like there's not much joy and laughter at school and we would have a whole day for it. But in it would be so much learning. So there would be so much like, like I said, they would do reading together and things like this but the kids in all honesty just laughed the whole day and they would come back feeling light you mm-hmm. know <laughs> so
0: interesting yeah <laughs> let me let me read you something from osho on education and the missing heart education okay or more like heart destruction in schools so he says our universities our colleges our schools are all destroying humanity they think they are serving it but they are simply befooling themselves Unless man becomes balanced, unless the heart and the head both grow, man will remain in misery and the misery will go on growing. As we become more and more hung up in the head, as we become more and more oblivious to the existence of the heart, we will become more and more miserable. We are creating hell on the earth and we will create more and more of it. Paradise belongs to the heart. The heart has been completely forgotten. Nobody understands its language anymore. We understand understand logic, we don't understand love. We understand mathematics, we don't understand music. We become more and more accustomed to the ways of the world and nobody seems to have the guts to move onto the unknown parts of the hearts, the unknown labyrinths of love. What do you think about this?
1: I think it's exactly right, personally. I think that for kids to be in school for that many years, we're we're teaching them the patterns to take forward in life, the kind of approach to life, you know, the core values and beliefs. And what we're teaching our kids is to be kind of, I know, I know this is, uh, this is um, a generalization, but we're teaching our kids to sit, listen and don't speak up, you know, and to work, you know, I mean, I, I, the time that the kids are expected to sit and listen and then have a little break and then sit and listen and have a little break. I don't think many adults would be able to survive very long in school if they had to go and go through what our kids are going through. And the kids are there for years, you know, so I completely agree. Um, I think that teaching the kids intellectually, and that's it um and just the patterns that they're they're having to go through about this sit and listen and don't speak up sit in a big class it just isn't healthy and we're kind of seeing it and i don't know if it's just i mean i know there's loads and loads of other factors as well but i definitely feel that when i see um teenagers now um you know i think that there are products a lot of teenagers are very unhappy and very angry and I think it is partly because of the school system. And I think that if we had a better holistic um, education system, I just don't think we'd have that many. We, I just think it would it would massively improve how people feel, um, you know, and their happiness. So I completely agree. I completely agree with it.
0: So, what do you think in that case? The education in the future should cover like subjects approach and what should I, th- you in the
1: past I think it's a very dated system um like the so the the history of schools and there was a video about this um that was circ- circulating on social media not long ago about when you look at a phone 100 years ago and you look at a phone now it's completely different when you look at a car 100 years ago and now it's completely mm-hmm. different but when you look at schooling it's the same thing schools are set up usually in lines you know of kids with the teacher at the front it's it's to get kids ready for a factory because you have the foreman which is the teacher and you have the lines which is the rows in the factory so at the moment we are currently preparing our kids to go and work in a factory and how many kids in the uk go and work in a factory so it's incredibly dated but because it's such a massive system and because it's such a this beast of a thing it's because it is going in the right direction. It's bringing in forest school. Um, you know, it is getting, it's getting more mindful. They're, they're bringing in like extra support for the kids that are, are struggling. Um, but it's this big beast. It's going to take such a long time to start shifting properly um, and it's just not that easy. So what, what I was trying to do with my school was take the best of what we have with mainstream education and I could start again. So I was like, well, how would we do it? And in all honesty, I scrapped a lot of the approach and I, that was when I was like, right, well, we're going to gonna balance healing and learning. We're going to do a bit of inner stuff, a bit of outer stuff, you know, learn about the world, the, the education side. Also learn about ourselves. Like we are as important as our environment. And, and most spiritual leaders now know we create the world based on how we feel. So let's work on how we feel to help create a better world. So I, I personally feel I can't see how the current education system will ever really catch up I think it's going to be a really slow way of doing things uh, which is why I think mainstream has to uh, sorry alternative schools have to come and we need that more than we need the the mainstream system to change because that will happen quicker and the more alternative schools that pop up um, the more it will take the pressure off the mainstream school and also help to educate the mainstream because one of the things that surprised me actually from when I was running my school was how much like mainstream schools loved us because so many kids like because there's a because we weren't at we were going we were starting to go through Ofsted um, registration because we were going to we went to five days a week we originally started three days and we we're going to five days but once we were registered then mainstream kids could be sent to us and they could then pay for the kids to come to us and the mainstream system and the mainstream teachers I was I was talking to were really keen for that to happen because they were very clear that there are a lot of kids that need extra support and extra help and mainstream school was kind of crushing them so they knew that mainstream wasn't the answer and they didn't know where else to send them so when my school popped up I had all the mainstream schools contacting me wanting to send kids to me so they're very support it's not like it's not competition it's like let's support one another so the more alternative schools that can that can appear it'll actually help mainstream because not only can they kind of take some of the kids that are really struggling with mainstream but also they can feed in ideas because one of the things that I was working on was some kids they genuinely don't need to be in an alternative school like it's not aligned with the parent's value, but then they're struggling with mainstream. So one of the things that I was doing was I was helping a lot of kids that were struggling with mainstream come to my school, kind of feel better, help the kids to get back on a good you know, rhythm and then help to reintegrate them into mainstream. And I actually think but that's the way forward I think for some parents they actually don't want alternative but it, mainstream isn't working but alternative can help to reintegrate them if that makes sense and then for parents like me what well, that I knew that alternative, uh, that mainstream was never going to work the alternative schools can be a full-time option for them yeah. <laughs> does that make sense <laughs> <laughs> I went into a bit there <laughs> yeah, yeah, but
0: it will take lots of time it will yeah. take more time I think to change this way yeah and um, I know that you're doing also homeschooling so what version of homeschooling do you cover and uh, what do you study at home that's not me
1: so we I am all about experiential learning Um, so for us we we do have a tutor because um, the kids like I, I feel that kids don't need to start learning to read and write until they they're teeth start coming out so around six or seven and that's very common in kind of a lot of uh, European countries so as our kids kind of turns six and seven and their their teeth started coming out um, we it was time to start reading and writing and I'm not very (laughs) not a very good teacher to my kids so we found a really good tutor so on Wednesday mornings they they speak to Jo and they have a lovely lesson with her and they're learning to read and write which they love um, and then the rest of the time there, there are, um, the farm school two days a week, then Wednesday morning, they've got the tutor. The other two and a half days, my husband and I, um, like take in turns, we kind of tag team. So I'll have them in the morning. He'll have them in the afternoon and we'll go and do lots of stuff and we learn as we go. So sometimes we're cooking, sometimes we're, you know, sometimes we're going to the park and just talking about stuff and, and in them being involved in our life is the learning, they're learning the life skills. So um, we kind of, I guess we probably fall more into unschooling, but I think it's more like in fact, it's maybe more world schooling. It's just learning through being with us. Um, we also have on a Monday we have family day. So we always make sure that we do something nice together. Either, you know, go off and do something, go somewhere, go with us various different like um like museums and kind of educational places we go to. And sometimes we go, well, not so much now in lockdown, but <laughs> we go and visit relatives um when we can. So it's for me, it's the the rounds this the whole you know whole education rather than just academic um so we kind of make it up as we go along <laughs> um so, basically
0: so how do you feel them did they change when they started doing more like homeschooling and this free schooling than before when yeah. they were in timer school
1: yeah, they went to um, they went to a Steiner school. When Louisa turned three, she she joined a, a Steiner school, and then when Thomas joined three, um, he did as well. Um, but he didn't last very long; like he it just was it just wasn't right for him at all. Um, but Louisa did about a year and a half, I think it was. Um, and then when we pulled them out, what I found was really interesting was Louisa, who had never been a clingy child or a clingy baby or anything. She the, <laughs> literally the day we pulled them out. She just she had this humongous separation anxiety, and she could not be away from me and she just hung on to me and I remember it was really severe for about i think it was about eight weeks, and even if I was sat next to her and I kind of moved and you know just shifted in my seat, she'd have a meltdown because she thought I was about to leave the room and I thought at the time or I felt that this was because of her starting school at three i think she kind of because of how we you know how we approach the subjects because she'd never been in nursery or anything like this i felt that it was the anxiety she had uh, had experienced when she joined school and had to be separate from us so i felt that when we actually did the um when we started homeschooling it gave her space to actually express this anxiety um so it was <laughs> it was when we started out I thought oh my god like what have we done like I thought we'd made a mistake and then I realized that actually she'd been holding on to this anxiety for a year and a half and actually once she processed it it took like I said about eight weeks and then as she came out of it, we haven't had it. She she hasn't done it since. Um, so now I'm really relieved that we did it. Um, but the kids love it. They love being at home. Um, it is a bit of a juggle because we've got three, like my husband and I have got three businesses between us. So we kind of spend half the time with the kids, half the time working. So it is a bit of a juggle. More often than not, the business gets, you know, slips rather than the kids. Um, but I think that you know, now that they're six and eight in the first kind of seven years, which are really the building blocks of their subconscious. Now that we're coming out of that, I'm really, really glad that we've done it. Cause we've done a mix. We did Steiner for like I said, like a year and a half. We then uh, like unschooled them because we, the intention was to, to do homeschooling. But when Louisa had this incredible anxiety, I thought she can't sit in that. Like, it's not going to be possible. She's going through such an emotional process. So, we unschooled to kind of detox from the school um, for about a year and then when it felt right to do any kind of structured learning that was when I started my school and we ran that for a couple of years Um, and now we're doing flexi schooling so we've tried a bit of everything Um, but the kids love being at home with us and we love you know we love the variety that we can have with them. Uh, The other thing also to mention that I think is and we haven't mentioned so far something I'm really, really passionate is kids learning about money and learn and developing and cultivating a positive and happier relationship with money because kids are learning. If we, if we don't talk to them about it, they're learning anyway, as they watch us pay for things, as they listen to the language we're using, as they like watch TV, you know, and, and what's going on, you know, um, in cartoons with money, um, they're developing a relationship with money. So i think it's incredibly important to have that conversation or to to talk about money very naturally with kids and to get them involved in the conversations when they're ready like not forced we've we've been very we've been very open we've let the kids come to us when they want to talk about money and so we actually do some stuff around money as well especially louisa she's very entrepreneurial so she's had all the all kinds of business ventures and Um, So we've kind of we've actually used that, you know, um, as a focus of what we do sometimes, like if she's on a bit of a. (laughs) <laughs> a bit of a role with start because she wants she wants to have a clothes shop she makes clothes and she wants to have a clothes shop and because we've got a property business so she wants to buy a building and have a shop downstairs she wants to live above it and she wants to make her because she cuts up clothes and makes clothes like yeah. she'll make new clothes from cut out clothes so she wants to sell her dresses so she's had this vision since she was about six so every now and then we get a new part of the vision and we do something new with her and we, we help her along you know, with her journey. So I think that's also a really important part. And Thomas isn't so bothered, so we don't kind of push it. But um, but one of the things I actually do now is I, I teach teenagers about money. Um, and I started running, since lockdown started in March, I've actually started running a course, making money from nothing, doing something you love for teenagers. Um, so it's teaching six different techniques of making money from nothing, and and helping these kids to to learn about money and talk about money, and and to to understand even at kind of you know fourteen, they've got patterns and habits with money that is going to influence their money making abilities. Um, so that's another thing as well. Like with the kids being at home, they like having you know little projects and stuff, uh, focusing it's on very nice, you know, very nice
0: to to speak with hmm. children from early age and to have a good positive attention on money. Yeah. How, do you, how do you, when you started this one, since they were like four or five years old?
1: Well, it started because Louis, when Louise was six, she turned around and came up with this. And she told us about, "Mummy, I want to buy a shop and I want to, you know, you know want to buy a building, have a shop, live above it. And she came out with that at six, just came out with it. And it and that was for me a massive wake up call, and I thought, and that was what I, when I realised that of course she's learning about money just from being around us, and she's always looked at properties anyway because the property business we'd always take her when she was like a baby and stuff. Business,
0: yeah, the environment. Yeah.
1: But, sorry. Oh yeah, exactly. So that's what triggered it. And then I thought, well, hang on, she's learning about money. So let's help her with it. And it kind of went from that, really. Um, so it wasn't really a conscious thing. But then when I was doing the school, I was always like, I want, because actually what I'd really love to do, and this was, this was kind of, starting to come in is that rather than sitting the kids down and going right we're going to learn about you know the war or we're going to learn about let's read a book or something it's like well why don't we use this time as practice for beyond school why don't you kind of practice what you want to do now so certainly for the teenagers i think it'd be far more beneficial if they started like businesses and started like creative ventures, even if it's not to make money, but just to learn the tools of entrepreneurial, you know, um, like values and stuff because kids are so much more entrepreneurial now than certainly like my generation. You know, most kids that I know went into a job, but kids nowadays, they've got social media, they've got short attention span as well because of all the devices. So you're gonna have much more business owners um, you know from kids now they're going to be business owners rather than employees um, and there's more options that like you you know you can google how to start a business and things like that so for the kids that are very entrepreneurial particularly the ones that don't go on with mainstream school that don't necessarily feel clever it's like well let's start businesses and that can they can be learning they, their education be can be adapted to as they start their business so giving them help and support and working out what they want to do try a few different things make as many mistakes as you can because now you're at school it doesn't matter you know this is the time to be practicing so when they leave school rather than going oh you've got your education now now your life starts it's like well no no no, let's practice now so that when you leave school it's not like so daunting
0: and and even and even while while you are in school yeah i think i need that i need that course as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, honestly, and maybe, these
1: kids, these kids are I would, incredible.
0: I would like to have maybe a separate talk on how to educate children to be entrepreneurial uh, and, and to be able to start their own business and they have their mindset on their yeah. own business. It's it's a separate way of growing up your child. Yeah. And it's very, very important because I haven't had that. So I don't think my parents have well, that.
1: And
0: do you I'm, know what's I'm, really I'm,
1: funny? Like the, the course that I do for the teenagers, I kept having the parents say to me that we'd have the call, the kids would come off feeling really inspired, really like focused, motivated. And the parents realized how little they knew about the stuff their kids were learning. Okay. So the parents kept asking me to run it for adults. And I kept going, no, 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 I want to work with teenagers. I don't want to do it for adults. Eventually I had one of the mum like really hunt me down. <laughs> she was like, please, Anna, run the course. Please, please, please. So I was like, fine, I'll run the course. And actually what I did was I said, right, I'm going to do it. I set the date and I then didn't market it and I didn't tell her about it. And I was like, well, I can then say I've done it. Didn't tell anyone. And I still had four people sign up. So I then was like, okay, I've got to actually do this. And I told a couple of people and then suddenly had 10 people in the course. And now it's just blown up. And I have more people sign up for the adult course than I even do the teenagers now. Like that one seems to have taken off Mm -hmm. because actually like the kids, it depends some of the kids do it because they're really entrepreneurial and they really want to learn and they want to start their businesses and sometimes the parents kind of force them into it um so yeah so i think sometimes it's just the parents want to do it <laughs> but it's yeah it's a good them, course and it's give nice them
0: separate give them separate yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah that's it i do i do sometimes have where the parent because they they run on the same day now so it's a six week course six week six phone calls uh, like zoom calls it's done in a group and uh, so I will have like the morning. The first call will be with the pet, with the adults, and then the next one is with the teenagers. So sometimes I have like a, a parent and a child on the same day, and they'll mm-hmm. go off and do it together. Um, so yeah, so family it's affair going one. on.
0: <laughs> so uh, you you are talking about empowering the children, and uh, what does it mean to empower the child? What and what is the best way to empower it?
1: It's good to be honest. Um, I think empowering a child is about giving them tools to, to navigate life. Um, and I think this is where mainstream education really falls short because they're not given tools to work out how to get, how to make money, how to be happy, how to eat healthy. Like it's all the basic primal needs that are being missed. So for me, empowering children is about helping them to feel resourced and to have tools. Um, And I honestly think the way to do that with kids is to have them growing up in an environment where that's just second nature, you know, so it's not, you know, a mainstream teacher, like, because I I know a lot of the mainstream um, schools have forest school, but they have a teacher that trains as a forest school teacher and then comes and does it. And I'm like, that's, that's half asking it. It's not doing it authentically you know you need a forest school teacher that they're. this is you know their passion their life they're choosing to do this they are out in nature themselves like and that's the difference i think having having the kids with people who live and breathe this and it just feels so normal you know and it's done very authentically um you know and this this was the thing for my school, all the guides that I had, like I kind of hand chose as people that were the be- that I considered the best at what they did. So Steve, the forest school teacher, um, I actually asked Steve originally, but he wasn't able to do it. I can't even remember why. So we had another forest school teacher. He was very, very good. But then when Steve was, eight, and then I can't even remember, it ended up being that this other guy kind of fell away and Steve came in. And I was like, there's such a big difference for me. Um, the people that the kids are with. I think to empower kids, they need to be with people who understand how you empower people. You know, people who don't have their own agenda, you know, with teachers less than they have to, they have to tick boxes. They have to get certain information into the kids. Like that's not empowering kids. Whereas if there's a space to do it, then that's how to empower them.
0: I think what what, what I understand is the teacher, everything the teacher is doing should be coming from the heart instead yeah. of coming yeah. from the mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: what the ritual practice you do as a family together?
1: What's the ritual practices that we do? The rituals,
0: the ritual, spiritual practices.
1: Oh, spiritual practices. Oh. <sighs> crikey, I don't know. I think we just, we just naturally do it. I think uh, we have things like, cause we've got Christmas coming up. So we've got a really lovely, the biggest thing we're doing at the moment is, um, and I was taught this through Steiner, through the Steiner school, we have an advent table. So rather than a chocolate advent calendar, you know, that counts down to, to Christmas, mm-hmm. um, we have an advent table. So what it is, is it's, um, it's mother Mary, And there's a star pass. So basically you just get a table and I've got and I've got all the stuff. So I'll set out on the on the first day of uh, Advent. And it's like a table and it's got all these stars, like these little stars that I've cut out. And Mother Mary starts the the first star. And each day she moves forward one. But we come together as a family and the kids take in turns to move Mother Mary forward. And then the star goes on the wall that she's just come off. And then the other child um, lights the candle to kind of, and basically we're lighting the way along the star path. But as she moves along the star path, these stars will go onto the wall and it lights up the night sky. Over the course of Advent, the night sky lights up with all these stars. But also each evening when they go to bed, I add a different thing to the table. So for the first week, it's like nature stuff. So it might be like a twig or a flower. The second week is crystals and stones. The third week is these little felted animals like farmyard animals, like pigs and sheep. And then the fourth week is all the the wise men, Joseph, the shepherds. So as she walks along the star path, this whole table just comes to life and this night sky lights up. And we've been doing that for a while, I guess since Louise was three. um, Yes, three, so for five years. And it is possibly like the highlight of the year when Mother Mary's star path come out. It's just the kids are just so happy and we all come together and we do this really beautiful journey. And we always do it just before bedtime. So it will have this nice, calm space and then go up. And they go to bed. So it's things like that, these little traditions that we've picked up that the kids love. And then we can kind of build other things around about Christmas around that. So when we talk about Christmas and presents, we can talk about why we celebrate Christmas and why it's not about presents. It's about the birth of baby Jesus. Um, So I'm very strong. In the belief around traditions so even if whatever they are they don't have to be as intricate and, <laughs> and as drawn out as that but just little traditions i think are really really nice like even in the morning when i get up i always go over and make a point of with my kids and my husband i'll go over and kind of give them a kiss and say how are you how did you sleep just check in with them it's so for me it's that kind of thing it's the the little
0: yeah. um
1: and things like eating the table together um i like doing blessings on the food before we eat the kids hate it <laughs> but i like it um so yeah it's it's the i think for me it's the natural rhythms in the family that are the spiritual traditions or spiritual practices okay. Um, okay. we don't really do anything besides that i don't think
0: <laughs> do, do you think we should be more as friends than as parents and uh, how parents should find the balance between freedom and discipline?
1: Yeah, oh God, that's such a good question. Um, I would like to, I actually think we need to be parents. Um, I think that it's a different, it's a very different relationship. And it is, it is a balance I struggle with. I'm very much like, I want my kids to like me and I wanna be friends with them. Um, but I do think we need to parent our children. Um, but I think, and I think I give too much freedom to my kids. My husband is definitely the discipline parents, um, but I think I, I'm not because I don't have to be, because he always is. Because um, he he's much he's much tighter with discipline than I am, so I never get to that boundary. So, um, but no, I, I do think we need to parent our kids. I think that that you know they're going to have a million friends, um, and I think that we're setting the tone. Um, I think we can still be friends with our kids, but I think that it is, it is a different feel. I will always be different with my kids as I am other kids. In fact, one of the things I remember Emma saying to me, cause one of the things she was really good at was disciplining my kids. And uh, I remember she used to apologize when I first met him. I was like, no, not at all. And I remember her saying, it's actually, she felt it was really, assuming that the, the relationship was strong, which mine and Emma's was, she said, it's actually really important for kids to be disciplined by, you know, by other people. Like, and again, it's that village, like it takes a village. And I thought, wow, God, if I could get other people to help me discipline my kid. And when I say discipline, I mean, just, ba- you know, enforce yeah. boundaries. Yeah, Remind put, some some the boundaries.
0: The put some boundaries. Yeah.
1: I'm not, I'm not talking about yelling, you know, anything more than that. It's just the boundaries, but yeah, kids do need that. Kids definitely do need boundaries um, because they, they need to know what is okay and what's not okay. And it can be done in a loving way. And I think that's the thing that I've really come to understand more recently because I I was very uncomfortable with boundaries because I didn't, I didn't grow up with many from my parents. Um, But now I'm realizing I can say no to the kids and I can say that's not okay. And it's di- and I still love them, and they still love me, and it's all it's all good. So yeah, I do think yeah, boundaries yeah. are good.
0: I know I know the the topic food as medicine is important to you, and uh, <laughs> how we should feed our children so that uh, they don't get sick often. What, yeah. is, what is your one day meal plan, for example?
1: oh okay so yeah emma and i uh so emma is actually gaps coach so gut and psychology syndrome by dr natasha campbell mcbride so it's a way of eating that's very um it's very much based around fats and ferments it's healing the gut um the the brain uh, stomach like digestive link is very very strong so when we're kind of it's a bit like when you when you get nervous and anxious, you get butterflies in your stomach. Like it's a very, very strong link. So if we eat well and we can and we can actually heal our guts and our digestion, then actually it can help with our mental health. It can help with how we're feeling. So I'm very, very passionate about food as medicine, as you quite rightly said. Um so we we're we're very much on the gaps diet. Um Like I said, a lot of fats, a lot of ferments, we're healing the gut lining. So our typical um, day would be, we, we very often have a smoothie in the morning. So I will do a combination of like a green juice, fermented cream kvass which is like a fermented vegetable drink um, full of good probiotics raw egg which my husband hates but I make him drink it anyway cinnamon um, all sorts put into the and we, we make a banana and peanut butter so we blend up and it tastes like banana and peanut butter smoothie and the kids love it and Thomas just can't get enough of it but it's got loads and loads of goodness in so we very often start the day with that um breakfast can be anything from sausages and eggs to I make a nice gaps granola uh this morning I had um bananas and strawberries with fermented cream um so yeah lots I mean breakfast is definitely our favorite meal um and then the kids went off to school with a variety of things um today I'm trying to think what I made them um I sent them off with um in fact I sent them off with um uh, cheese and ham wraps and wraps aren't technically gaps, but I'm okay with that because <laughs> most of the time we eat gaps. Um, and then they had some corn crackers with butter with like um, unpasteurized butter. and then loads of healthy like carrot batons and um, I can't even remember. I oh, like sausage a bit, I think cut some sausage up, uh, and loads of little snacks and stuff for them. and then uh, fermented yogurts um, and some dried fruit. And then this evening we had uh, shepherd's pie, but again, it was with loads of hidden veg in um, and it was lovely. So, yeah, so pre- we, we do eat quite well, but we, we have to because um, I didn't have very good. I was actually vegetarian my entire life and I didn't have very good gut health. And I had um, a lot of issues with anxiety and stuff like that. And then the kids, I pass that on to the kids because they they're born with my gut flora um so we have to eat healthy because the better we eat the the kind of um more grounded the kids are First
0: of course hmm. yeah, and so and do you use any herbs as well
1: uh yeah 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 i'm i'm growing i've actually grown so I, I have tried on multiple occasions to grow my own herbs and they've always died, but these ones I've actually had for about three months and they're still thriving. So yeah, we add loads and loads of herbs to as many different things uh, to cooking, you know, as possible. Yeah.
0: Okay, so your, your next goal is to to develop your school and get as much as possible, as much as many people who would like to develop their alternative schools together, right?
1: yes that is yeah that's exactly right we're kind of pausing like when we went into lockdown uh we had to stop the school um because the the places the two venues um closed um, and we just had to pause it, basically. But actually, I then started running my course for teenagers. That was the only thing that was missing from the school as it was, uh, was the money part side of things. So we've kind of had this pause and I've got my uh, course up and running. Um, we're in the process um, of hopefully buying some premises because we were hiring premises before. And because I've got property business, um, we're actually buying. It's a spiritual center in Crowborough. Um, And we're hopefully going to be buying that. And that will be that will house the school, but it needs to be fully renovated. So the chances are the school won't be back up and running properly, properly for a while. Um, But I think when it comes back, it will probably be because it was just primary school before. I think it'll go all the way up to um, secondary school as well and very much based around the kids learning about money as well and business and, and
0: stuff it's really nice so, yeah. what you are what what's your what you want to achieve and it's a very very good because it helps society and uh, mm. i had exactly the same idea to go back to bulgaria and start my oh. own school that's why i'm doing this podcast and i'm learning about how children should be educated and how other people are doing good. their schools and then i realized that uh, if i have my school how many children i'll be able to reach so mm. now i decided to think about uh Having a startup and having an online university for children between four and fourteen, and also mm-hmm. educating the parents and the people who would like to become yeah. parents, because this is the biggest problem: people don't know how to be parents. Mm. Uh, and then this hap- it happens to them suddenly. So yeah, uh, I'd like to have uh, maybe find investors and have this online online school, and That's probably nice. it would yeah. be nice. It will be nice to keep in touch and. Yeah, and share definitely. ideas. Share ideas, and uh, if I can help you with something, or just by um, sharing your message to all the people I know, it's it will be good enough.
1: Thank you. Though I will just touch on one final thing actually, just cause you talked about investors. That is the one thing I think that that stops most alternative schools from going ahead is that it's very expensive to run. And actually, if you were gonna get the parents to pay, it's just extortionate. Like, And I hear a lot of alternative schools, they don't even pay the teachers and it's all done voluntarily. So it shocks me. So my intention was always to um, build a property portfolio cause that's like, that was my first business. Um, and actually build a portfolio that can then fund the school so then it was originally offered for free and what I realized that the parents it didn't feel good to the parents to not there should be an exchange on some of some form so what I did was I introduced fees but I kept them really low and I said for those parents that couldn't afford a financial offering then they could kind of help they could offer their time their experience like um, expertise um, and actually no one took me up on that. Everyone was happy to pay a financial contribution, but for those that didn't have it, they could always do another kind of exchange. Um, but I still feel that that is the best way is to, to for the, and again, because... If my school is going to be teaching kids how to be entrepreneurial, then it needs to be like, let's build, let's create an income to pay for the school and then make it kind of affordable. So I liked the idea of me building a portfolio or some other way of doing it where some kind of business is funding the school and then the school is kind of feeding back into the business. So I liked the idea of the kids being somehow involved in how the school was funded. Um, but it is probably the biggest obstacle with people who want to start an alternative school and how to do it and particularly people who are like forest school teachers or very holistic very nature-based they don't necessarily know how to do all the finances for an alternative school Um, so one of like you said I I quite like the idea of supporting alternative schools so that they can do what they're best at with because I never taught that I mean I did brief at the start but I wasn't ever with the kids my skill set isn't teaching kids and being you know being one of the guides mine was to create the structure of the school and get the best guides in to be with the kids Um, so I like the idea of potentially helping other people who want their own school but they don't want to have to worry about all the regulation and the financing and then I can potentially help them to get up and running and fund it somehow because there's a lot of grants out there as well that was something that I was looking at so you could potentially look at grants. But like I said, it, there's a whole process you have to go through that's quite intricate. So yeah, I'd like to help other people get started, but the funding is, is a bit of a difficult one.
0: I wish you, I wish so, you good luck to, to everything you're doing. And uh, I have one last question. If you were able to tell someone who would otherwise never hear what you have to say about your vision of the new world and the new schools, what would, would you tell them today?
1: What, sorry, can you repeat the question? What would I tell? Yes.
0: What, what, you, uh, what did you say in, in a nutshell, your vision of this new school, to someone who never heard about it?
1: Um, oh, <laughs> I, just, I just think it's ugh, a, like a more holistic, modern way of educating. Well, not even educating. It's just a more holistic, modern schooling. I think that's just it. This schooling system is dated and it's not working for most kids. So this is just a a, a better way a better way of doing things, I suppose. But it is about empowering kids and and having, um, yeah, imparting the tools to navigate life. That's a terrible terrible summary of it, but that's kind of what it is.
0: (laughs) Perfect, it's perfect. Thank you, thank you for being today and sharing your vision. And I wish you good luck. And uh, if I can contribute with anything, uh, just let me know.
1: Thank you. And likewise, if you ever need any help with your school, I'd be happy to help. Thank, Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. bye. <laughs>